Chris Paul's aggressiveness, the state of the Suns' defense, and one forward's streaky shooting. All of that coming up on our progress report of the Phoenix Suns through three games right away here on Locked on Suns. Network, your team every day. Back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, covering the Suns the past five seasons as a credentialed media member. Thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen every single morning. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On PHX Suns on Twitter if you have not already. Follow me if you so desire at Brendan Clean14 on Twitter as well. Listen to us on Locked on Suns YouTube channel as well as on any of your favorite podcast apps. That's the best way to do it, making us your locked your first listen every single morning um, and keeping Locked on Suns if you'd like to use that vernacular as well. Again, as I said, a progress report heading into game number four here on Wednesday night, heading into what should be an eventful Tuesday if the reporting is to be believed and is indeed accurate of the timing of this ESPN report. Don't want you to think that I have forgotten about that. But look, this may be our one last opportunity to speak about basketball for a little while. So I wanted to take advantage because this was a very interesting opening slate for the Suns. Three games, one and two record. So we'll do on-court stuff today and I think we'll have plenty throughout the rest of the week off the court to occupy our thoughts and our voice boxes. Uh, Let's get to it, though. Again, starting with Chris Paul, his aggressiveness, and I actually mean that on both ends of the floor. But before we get into that, um, the Suns overall, I just think it's useful to say, again, one and two on the season so far. They're in this nice, the, the schedule gods already blessing them with some time off this season, I'm sure many of you guys are like, damn, there is really not a, a game on again, and there's not another one on um, Tuesday either. Monday I'm when I'm recording this no game, Tuesday when you guys are hearing this no game, so um, it's going to be different, and this is a nice little break, but as we currently stand, 17th in offense and 25th in defense, those numbers probably are shocking to hear, and I think it does, though, match what we have seen. This team has been very up and down, even half to half, right? I mean... The first half against Denver, excellent. Second half, not so good. Same recipe against the Lakers. And then the opposite was sort of true against Portland, where the first half, they really got the socks knocked off of them. And then in the second half, battled a little bit more, I guess you could say. But that game was pretty ugly all around. So inconsistency, and there's not one side of the ball you can really point to, which brings us to Chris Paul. He the Suns' starting point guard, of course, currently 8th on the team in field goal attempts per 100 possessions, 7th on the team in usage rate, which isn't exactly fair. He's never been or has been, hasn't been in a long time that he's had a terrifically high usage rate because that does not include assists. So, of course, that's where a lot of his damage comes in terms of what he's doing for an offense. But still, 7th in the team is pretty noteworthy. And that was topped off with only 5 field goal attempts in the loss to the Trailblazers. So, Um, He is not necessarily looking at this weak start and deciding to take over. And again, of course, I want to couch everything I say in this episode in. It's only three games. So 
far be it for me to look at Chris Paul and say, you're, you're misreading the situation. However, I do feel like Chris has been, especially with guys like Mikhail Bridges, Cameron Payne, Cam Johnson, even DeAndre Ayton at times, Chris is very much one of the people in the organization, in my opinion, who is pushing those dudes to do more and to try things. You heard the, the it's been viral at this point on Twitter and on Sun subreddit that is, you know, Chris Paul shouting at Mikhail Bridges to keep going in transition in the preseason. You've seen him feeding all of these young guys the ball. And overall, you're just seeing that Chris is, is pushing and he's talking about it. So with that said, I do think it's going to have to be him who balances the opportunities for everybody on the fly. It can't, I mean, it's just, it's basketball. It's, it's fast. It doesn't have a lot of stoppages. It cannot be Monty Williams calling a new play every time down the floor and saying, all right, now we're getting Mikhail Bridges involved. Now it's going to be a post up for DeAndre Ayton, minute by minute by minute, second by second. That's not how basketball works. And that's not how Monty coaches. So it's going to need to be Chris Paul who handles this stuff. And the reality is right now, they're just juggling a lot of things and, and it hasn't necessarily worked. But it's not just that Chris needs to get the ball to the right person or run a set that benefits one player or another. He also needs to be able to go ahead and get an easy bucket, oftentimes, if necessary, by himself, if the offense needs it, if the team needs it, if his teammates need it. And so what we have not seen is that, you know, there, in my opinion, should never be a situation in a competitive game that you want to win against Portland, and that's an important game. That could be a team fighting for seeding position with the Suns, a very high-level offense. You can't go down by 20. Have your starters play the amount that Chris Paul played, which I believe was about 28 minutes in that game, and have him only take five shots. Because the reality is when the offense was taking bad shots and the defense was uh, not benefiting, the defense was suffering as a result, because the Blazers were able to get out in transition, Chris Paul needs to say, no, I'm ready here. I'm going to get the ball going, and I'm going to either get to my spot and take a jumper, or I'm going to do a, a simple drive and kick situation, but we're not doing anything crazy for a couple of minutes here while we get back on the rails. And you look something like seconds per offensive possession, which is sort of like pace, but is only on the offensive side of the ball for the Suns. It's actually lower than it was last season, or worse than it was last season. So far, they were 18th. Now they're 20th. They're using more time on the shooting clock than they did last year. And so all these things are totally fixable, totally normal. The Suns started slow last year. We understand some of the reasons. They're integrating pieces. Booker was you know, getting his legs and his win back and all that stuff. But it seems like we're there. It seems like Book has, has gotten back on track after only three games because he's a freak and he can do that kind of thing. But Chris needs to have that aggressiveness in him. Last but not least, the defense on this roster, his lack of defense on the ball right now could pose even more problems than it did last season for the Suns, which creates that two-way effect I was talking about for these Phoenix Suns. So we'll get to that part of the game for Chris Paul in just one second. First, though, a quick word from DirecTV. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device playing the latest sports game, maybe the latest Suns game. You've got another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login as well, just for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. 
It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, no need to buy another device ever again, and the best part is there is no annual contract either, so get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Defense. Defense. The Suns again on the defensive side of the ball. 25th in the NBA so far this season. We know that has been the consistent issue, not only in their losses, but even in that second half against the Lakers. And uh, I'll get to some of the numbers behind that in a moment. But to keep on the topic of Chris Paul, like we were talking about in that last segment, we know what he is at this point in time, correct? I mean, when he came here, when he was on the Thunder, he, he has not been the type of player who has the tenaciousness, the guy who was leading the league in steals, who was, uh, if you remember, about a decade ago in the playoff series that they had against Oklahoma City when Chris was defending Kevin Durant in that series. That is not the guy that we are watching in Phoenix. We all knew that when it happened, and so that is what it is. But using the Portland game as an example here, you're, you you start to see how the the roster this season puts his lack of offense uh, of defensive ability under a greater spotlight. And here's what I mean. So in that Portland game, the opening matchups from the Suns' standpoint defensively were that McHale was on Damian Lillard. Devin Booker was on C.J. McCollum, and that left because Portland has such a unreal offensive talent in their on their roster. That left Chris Paul on on Norm Powell, and so I talked about this in my episode on Monday. I'm sure many of you listened to that, breaking down both of these games in detail. But the way that Portland built their lead was that they were attacking Chris Paul. I mean, they were attacking Chris Paul to start getting Norm Powell going in transition, which I'll talk about in a moment, transition defense, um, having him operate as a cutter or just in isolation, basically not allowing Chris Paul to switch off of Norm Powell, making him guard, and it didn't hold up. He got in some situations, Chris did, against CJ McCollum after McCollum had started to heat up a little bit, and that was not much better. And so Chris's team defense, his rotations, his closeouts, the way he can create turnovers as a team and help defender, all that stuff's great still. I mean, it is. It's probably never going to go away until his body just can't hold up anymore. And so it's there right now. But whether they're worried about him getting hurt or just he feels like he will get physically exposed and outmatched if he puts himself or if Monty puts him on a CJ McCollum, on a Damian Lillard, it has it doesn't typically go well. And maybe he has an extra gear, but he doesn't want to do that during the regular season or flat out can't anymore. At in his older, you know, late 30s age, mid to late 30s age. So um, that is a problem based on the way that this roster has been built. We came into the season looking at a Thad Young trade. And I will say, as an aside, not to bury this deep into the rest of uh, the podcast, but maybe I need a siren or some sort of, I don't know, a bell, uh, one of those diamondbacks, uh, the, the rattles that they used to give out. I need something because this is some news. I don't know if it's, um, it, I have not, you know, backed this up with six different people, but one person close to that situation has told me that there is not a Thad Young, Jalen Smith trade on anybody's mind right now. Um, so 
even setting that aside, which is interesting in and of itself, I actually think that's kind of beside the point because right now, based on all these things that I'm telling you, the Suns' bigger issue to me seems to be the perimeter defense because you lose Javon Carter, you lose Torrey Craig, you're playing smaller full-time. I mean, you remember at the beginning of last season, the Suns toyed around with a lot of Frank Kaminsky at the four, Dario Saric at the four, Kaminsky and Saric together, all sorts of different lineups that just by way of how, you know, the shape of the court ended up, were going to be better defensively than these, where... Um, at least organically better defensively. I mean, the Suns' starting lineup should be excellent defensively. We just saw a finals run where it worked. But some of these bench units or combo units are not going to be so good because, again, Carter and Craig especially are gone and Charge and Kaminsky are not playing right now. So, you know, that Chris Paul limitation starts to be a little bit of an issue. Um, you have this rotation, guard rotation, not defensive rotation, of Paul, Booker, Payne, and Shamit. None of those four guys, as solid as they might be as team defenders, have a lot of um, skill and ability containing the ball. Teams are going to be able to get into the paint, get past that first line of defense against those four guards. And we've seen it in the first three games. And I think the eye test and what we know about those four players would indicate that that's going to continue to be true. I actually think Shamit and Payne, despite not really being known as, as defenders, are pretty darn good at rotating and reading the floor and communicating and, and being in the right position, <clears throat> but they're not elite athletes. And so what happens is they end up getting blown by often. You add into that that live ball turnovers and transition defense have been an issue for the Suns. You know, maybe some of that just improves because it's random for the most part. I mean, shots go in one game and the transition defense is just going to look better because you're not having these long rebounds. Suns cut down on their turnovers, which I trust them to do. And some of this will start to look better. But the Suns have also been basically the worst three-point defense in the NBA. So you start to get into a situation where there are too many issues so far, both from what we've been able to watch and what the numbers are telling us, to just ignore it. And the fact that the roster we know has innately less defensive talent. And it's not a big surprise necessarily that that's a little bit of a struggle and they might have to adjust some of what they are doing, who is playing, for instance, and everything else. You might be thinking, why have I not mentioned Abdul Nader? I have not been terribly impressed by his on-ball defense either. He wasn't terrifically impactful against Russell Westbrook or CJ McCollum. I know Monty Williams raves about his on-ball defense. That's one of the better things that he does. He seems to me, despite being his in his fifth NBA season, he, he still comes across as a very raw player. I know he has not ever gotten consistent run and he's dealt with a lot of injuries. So I understand that's a reason that explains that. But you are not going to tell me that you put Newton Nader on the floor and your defensive problems are solved. So um, I don't necessarily think that there's anything to be terrified of. I think DeAndre Ayton is still an elite defender. I think the team defense and the team defensive principles of this team are still very solid. But when you face teams like Portland, especially like, you know, the Lakers when they have it going and they are at their best and they're playing a little smaller and spacier, um, there's tons of teams like that. I don't think I need to go through all of them. I mean, the Hornets have Ball and Hayward and Rozier, and that's just a team that's playing right now as I'm recording this. The Nets, of course, we saw them cook the Suns last year for some of the same reasons. It's going to be an issue. It's going to be something. And so I guess, you know, the way that I would close it out on a little bit of an optimistic note is 
some of these transition defensive issues and the just miscues and, and bad decisions and, you know, not preventing threes and allowing teams to, you know, get to the line. Some of that stuff, the easy stuff, the, the stuff that a veteran smart defensive team should be able to solve without much of an issue. Those have to be so tight because the roster has been built in such a way that there are, they're tilting a little bit more toward youth and offense on this year's team than defense, which last year was maybe you could say more of the focus when it came to the roster building specifically. Speaking of shooting and speaking of veterans, the last point I want to hit on here is actually about Jake Crowder, guy that I don't talk enough about probably, kind of the forgotten man in the starting lineup and really in this team's success, really, unfortunately for him, every team's success that he's been on. So I want to take a little bit of time to dig into him and his role on this team and where he's been at uh, to start the year so far. First, though, a quick word from betonline.ag. BetOnline is and always will be the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. They are back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of the basketball season, which means an easier time getting to and even more of your favorite odds, props, and lines, courtesy of Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one spot all basketball and football season long. So head to that new updated desktop or mobile app site. Make an account today, and when you do, use the promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit to get a fifty percent welcome bonus. That's promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit to get a fifty percent welcome bonus straight to your account from basketball, football, and baseball to the NHL, boxing, UFC, your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available all season long over at BetOnline. BetOnline is, again, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Today's show is also brought to you by Rock Auto. Rock Auto is your one-stop shop for every single auto part that you could ever need. It's really that easy. You save 30, 50, even 100% compared to a retail store or, heaven forbid, a dealership. All you have to do when you go to Rock Auto, because these folks know what they're doing, they've been serving auto parts customers online for 20 plus years, is type in the car that you have, scroll down to the part that you need, click purchase, that's your door in, in days, and there is a ton more money in your bank account, most importantly. Go explore their easy to use website today and find the solution for your auto part needs. Again, that's rockauto.com. See all the parts available for your car or truck, and when you make your purchase, write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Closing out the show here, thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen every single morning. We're talking Jay Crowder. Got a lot of notes here for you guys, got a lot of thoughts here for you guys continuation of an episode that I did back in the the uh, dog days of the offseason. No, not really. It was the preview 13 question series with Damon Allred of Bright Side of the Sun talking about Cam Johnson versus Jay Crowder and, and who may be the closer for this team come playoff time this year. And so I'll get to that stuff in a moment because that's really the bottom line of, of why this matters. I mean, I don't really anticipate we're not talking about a Jay Crowder trade or anything major like that quite yet. But to give you the numbers, 2 of 15 to open the season from deep. Um, of course, you know, we've, we've all noticed he's not making his shots, right? He got a couple of floaters off against the Lakers, which was a little bit of a game plan thing more so than anything in terms of getting 
the getting Anthony Davis out of the paint away from the basket. So Jay was able to kind of go off the bounce and made a couple nice floaters. That's not his game. That's not something you're going to integrate into the game plan every night. So other than that, he, he has not been a very impactful scorer. Um, but I will, I went back and looked, he did have a nine of 38 stretch early last season. Um, so even last year when he's making 39% of his threes and he's a big part of the Suns' success, he still was streaky. This is not unique. We know him to be a very streaky shooter. The, the example everybody always gives is with Memphis at the beginning of the 2019, 2020 season, he was not much of a shooter at all. Then he gets traded to the heat and then the bubble happens and he's knocking down everything in sight. So he is streaky. We know that that's always been true. So this early season stretch for him could just be random. It could just be a stretch where he's streaky in the negative direction, and then he'll have a streak where he's awesome. That could very well happen. But you dig a little bit deeper, and last season, if you dig into the types of threes that he was getting and the types of threes that he was making, he took a ton of wide open threes because, of course, the Suns offense creates those, but more than he had in any of the seasons recently that I looked at, and he made 43% of them, which you would think, you know, wide open shots, three-pointers, like that's maybe a fine number. And for some players like Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, it is. You you know, even Devin Booker has almost always made 40-ish, maybe 40-plus percent of his wide open threes, catch and shoot. But for Jay Crowder, that was actually a pretty big outlier. He was always sort of average or slightly above average, 36, 37, 38% on those wide open threes. Last year, he's at 43%. So, you know, if that ticks down a little bit, if he gets a little bit colder on those wide open shots and maybe he doesn't get quite as many of them, maybe you're talking about just an average three-point shooter, 36-37% instead of 39 like he was last season. So, you know, that's that's really the only way he's going to score. So you start to look at that and you're like, well, what, what is his offensive value in that case? And that's where we get to the comparison between him and Cam Johnson. Um, Cam, I just actually, I was looking, doing some notes for this and tweeted out his shot charts from game, uh, from last season compared to the first three games of this season. And he's attacking the rim way more. He's shooting inside way more. He's also extending his range out on the top of the arc instead of just in the corners as a three point shooter this year. And he's more aggressive. He's taking more shots. His usage is up and his overall just shots per hundred possessions are up and rank pretty high on this team overall. You look a little deeper, when he's on the floor, the Suns offense has been 5.7 points better per 100 possessions whereas with Jay Crowder on the floor, it's been 10.4 points worse than than their their season long mark per 100 possessions. Speaks for itself, right? I mean, he's making his threes, he's diversifying his offensive game and it's working and the Suns are scoring a lot better when he's out there. On the other hand, the defense has been almost as bad in the flip. It's almost the exact same thing where Jay, it's very high. It's very positive. With Cam Johnson on, it's very negative, the defense per 100 possessions for the Suns. So, you know, I'm not painting a full picture, and I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to tell you that Jay Crowder is a problem. He's going to get benched. Cam Johnson's going to start on Wednesday against the Kings. I'm not saying that. I would never say that off of three games. I do think, of course, it's something to continue to watch. Way too early to jump to conclusions. Way too early for, of course, Monty Williams or anyone else to be making a decision based on such a small sample. However, it's clearly a trend to watch. If Jay continues to be streaky, if Cam Cam continues to grow and expand his game, 
you know, hopefully, you know, you would ideally want Cam to balance out his impact a little bit more and the lineups when he's on the floor to perform a little bit better defensively. I think he's probably properly rated at this point on defense. There was a while where people just were lazily assuming he was bad. I don't think he's great though. And so you do lose something when you don't have Jay Crowder out there, especially with matchups like we just saw against the Lakers where Anthony Davis is out there. And you definitely, you already feel uncomfortable with Jay Crowder defending Anthony Davis. You certainly feel uncomfortable if it's Cam Johnson. So, you know, there's no great answer when you're playing small and you don't have one of those super perfect combo forward, combo big man guys. Aaron Gordon, Pascal Siakam, Draymond Green. If you don't have one of those guys and you want to play small, you're always going to be giving something up. Your guy might not be quite as good offensively as you'd like him to be. He might not be as big. He might not be as athletic. And so having both Crowder and Cam Johnson is a nice, nice thing to have, especially with a guy being as streaky as Jay is. Still though, I don't think it would be out of the realm of possibility that Cam Johnson eventually takes this job over and starts to close games for the Suns. I think he has started the season better. I think Jay Crowder is known to be streaky. And last but not least, I said I don't think there's a trade coming, but these are the types of, you know, trends you can bet the Suns are monitoring as the season progresses. He only has one more season on his deal after this. It was only a three-year deal from the start. We've talked about the needs that this team has, whether it is a bigger guy like a Thad Young or a perimeter defender to replace the Torrey Craig-Javon Carter role. That stuff is still going to become a need, and Crowder is a piece that theoretically could be part of a trade. So, all these reasons to pay attention to this. All these reasons to do a checkpoint. Check-in. Checkpoint. Check-in. I felt like I needed to do it. There was more thoughts than I had of just from the game recap, so hopefully you guys enjoyed that. A little bit of a notebook dive, a little bit of a stat geekery, um, but always fun to do, always fun to keep up and not always just be talking game, 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 what happened in this game. Because, look, it's a long regular season. The trends are way more important than any one individual game for the most part. So that is our last reprieve before the chaos of Tuesday. I would expect the ESPN story to drop. It seems like that is what everybody has been saying. And by the time we talk, maybe it'll be an emergency episode. I have a feeling it might be. Um, Things might look a lot different. Again, I will just urge all of you as you are reading and hearing and watching everything that may unfold on Tuesday to remember that the discrimination or harassment or bigotry or bias, any of the stuff that gets discussed in this reporting has victims at the center of it. Whether you fully believe what you see or read, whether you have skepticism, whether you are excited that the owner might be different, please remember that people were the victims of what is being alleged when you read it, I don't know what's in it. I'm not trying to tell you, oh, it's going to be so bad. Please, you know, cry. I'm telling you that any of these types of things are always being done because brave people who went through a lot of crap decided that their story needed to be told and they should, we should owe it to them that we take that seriously and be, and look at it respectfully and keep their pain in mind. So maybe that sounds naive. I don't think it is. Maybe you've listened to this show long enough that you knew that was coming and I'm always going to be naive and sensitive and a and a big um, softy or whatever. I don't know what you're thinking, but that's my two cents. I hope that that stays in your mind as you make your way through tomorrow, today, whatever it might be for you whenever you're listening. That will do it though, folks. Talk to you Tuesday on the other side and uh, we'll make our way through it together every single morning right here on Locked on Suns.